There are no other cases. This is the case. There are no other cases. This is the case. There are no other cases. This is the case. No other cases. This is the case. After having secured his Bachelor of Law degree at Boston College in 1954, Barry Reed was admitted to the Massachusetts State Bar the next year. From there, he entered into private practice as a trial lawyer, and his work earned him the Clarence Darrow Award for trial excellence. Leading the way for other writers, Scott Turow, John Grisham and Lisa Scottaline, Reed later turned to writing novels, and in 1980 he penned The Verdict, a story that may or may not have been informed by Reed's view of his own profession. While it was still in galleys, Reed's novel was acquired by the producing team of Richard Sanek and David Brown, who five years earlier had bought the rights to a book about a shark and helped turn that into the highest grossing film Hollywood had ever seen. What attracted Sanek and Brown to the verdict was its lead character, Frank Galvin, a down-at-heel lawyer who takes on a case of medical malpractice at a hospital run by Boston's Catholic Archdiocese. I read the hospital report on your client. Oh, Deborah N. K. Yeah, Deborah N. K. Yeah, well, they called. They want to settle. It's just a matter of jacking them up a little bit. <laughs> right. Who called? Uh, the Archdiocese called. They want to settle. And you're going to do that? Yeah. You're going to settle out of court? Well, yeah. Why? Well, in, in the interest of her family and you, doctor, I mean, you never tell what a jury's going to do, and uh, St. Catherine's is a renowned institution. The doctors are... The doctors killed her. Sanek and Brown approached the Oscar-nominated Arthur Hiller to direct and got David Mamet to adapt the novel. In 1976, Mamet had taken New York theatre by storm when no less than three of his plays, The Duck Tales, Sexual Perversity in Chicago and American Buffalo, drew packed houses and glowing reviews. By the time Sanek and Brown contacted him, Mamet was already adapting a new version of James M. Cain's celebrated crime novel the postman always rings twice. But such was Mamet's talent that he was able to swiftly deliver a draft. Mamet may have been too quick in writing because neither the producers nor the director liked what he had written, so J. Preston Allen was called in. Allen had secured herself an Oscar nomination for scripting the musical Cabaret, and her adaptation of Reed's novel attracted the attention of Robert Redford, whom Sanek had worked with on The Sting, a movie that had not only been a smash hit, but had also won the Oscar for Best Picture. Notice something here? The people interested in the verdict knew good movie material when they saw it. The problem was turning that material into a script, and the biggest problem was Redford was troubled with each new draft Alan wrote. Now, to belabor the obvious for a moment, our clients are the Archdiocese of Boston, the St. Catherine Laboratory Hospital and the doctors Marks and Tower, two of the most respected men in their profession. The thrust of this defense will be to answer in the court, in the press, and in the public mind, to answer the accusation of negligence this completely, that not only do we win the case, but we win the case so that it is seen that this attack on these men and this institution was a rank obscenity. Redford suggested writer-director James Bridges, who had received Oscar nominations for writing The Paper Chase and then directing The China Syndrome. But as each new version was written, the feeling was that Reed's thinly plotted story was becoming unnecessarily complicated. Unknown to the producers, 
Redford then made an approach to Sidney Pollock, who had, you guessed it, been Oscar-nominated for directing They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Clearly, Redford was making a play for control of the verdict, so when Sanek and Brown found out, they fired their star. Quite the call when you think about it, because not only could Redford's name guarantee you studio financing, his company had also produced the, yes, Oscar-winning All the President's Men. So, Sanok and Brown reached out to three-time Oscar-nominated director Sidney Lumet. In so doing, they did something very strange. Rather than giving him Reed's novel, they presented Lumet with all the previous drafts of the script. And it was from that stack that Lumet selected the version David Mamet had written, all the way back at the start. Here is Lumet himself. Uh, the verdict is an adaptation of a novel which uh, I didn't particularly like. In fact, I never read the novel <clears throat> until after I'd committed to do the movie on the basis of David Mamet's script. <clears throat> and if I read the novel first, I might not have done it. I don't know how David drew that story from that book. It's really David's creation in every way. Perhaps it is because David Mamet's father, stepfather, and two siblings were lawyers, or perhaps simply because he is one of America's greatest writers, he was able to whittle the story down to themes of guilt, loss, and redemption. So, while Reed had hung his plot on the scales of justice, Mamet wrote about a man struggling for his soul. Here is Mamet himself in 2008, talking about his writing method. That's all the movie is, is an outline. Everything else the actors are going to do it, or the set, the set designer is going to do it, or the camera, cameraman or woman is going to do it. That's all the movie is, is an outline. So I, I do hundreds of pages of, of, of outline, trying to get the outline down to the, the point where I say, you know, somebody else might know better, but I don't know anymore. It's best I can do. And that, so then you can go and write the movie in an afternoon. That's all it is. So what Mamet wrote allowed for other great talents to exercise their gifts. We can begin with Paul Newman, who, having scrutinized Mamet's script, came up with the idea of making Frank Galvin asthmatic. Why? because the holes of justice are so closing in on him, he can hardly breathe. That informs everything Galvin does. And while Newman depicts a man run ragged by deep flaws, his own performance is flawless. Galvin is forever using eye drops to clear the room from his whiskey-soaked eyes, which poetically indicates that he can't see the case for what it really is. And that feeds into the moment when he visits the hospital where Deborah Ann Kay the victim in the malpractice case is lying in a coma. Galvin takes out a Polaroid camera to take some photographs that he intends to use as a bargaining tool to wring money out of the archdiocese. To Galvin, Deborah Ann Kay is little more than a means for him to secure a big payday. But as the Polaroids develop, Galvin finally begins to see. Sir, you're not allowed to be in here. You can't be in here. I'm her attorney. From there, Celia Lumet and his production designer, Edward Personi, laid out the film's visual design. Amazingly, this was Personi's first feature film, but time and again, he found ways to give Lumet the chance to trap Galvin by the shapes in the given locations. So you have windows, arches, vaults and staircases, suggesting that Galvin's world is crowding in on top of him. Here is Lumet again. I don't know 
how David created that, other than the fact that he's one of our best writers. But what he chose to do was to make it a story about salvation. It's more about the personal salvation of the Paul Newman character than it is about the case itself. Uh, the case only serves as the instrument by which a man saves himself. Then Lumet took the scheme and presented it to his director of photography, André Bartowiak, who used a set of lenses as well as a lighting design to further shrink Galvin's world. Whenever Newman was in the foreground of the frame, Bartowiak kept him underlit while throwing more light onto the background. This may go against the principle of star lighting, but the technique creates the illusion that the background is closer than it actually is, and so whatever is in the foreground becomes compressed, which leaves Galvin with even less space to manoeuvre. All of which stemmed from Newman's idea to make Galvin an asthmatic, which in turn came from Mamet's superb script. Just how good is it? The Writers Guild of America lists it amongst the 100 best screenplays ever written. And if you're studying any aspect of film, it is a must read. You can access it online. I can win it. I can win this case. You won, Frank. You won! When they give you the money, that means you won. Now look, we, we don't want to go to court. Is this, is this getting through to you? Do you know who the attorney for the odds dances is? Ed Cannon. He's a good man. He's a good man? <laughs> He's the prince of fucking darkness. He'll have people testifying they saw a water skiing in a marblehead last summer. Now look, Frank, don't fuck with this case, huh? We gotta stand up for that girl. Look, Frank, I know what you're going through. You're trying to wipe out some old business. I understand that. I do. But not now. Call a bishop, will you? We're gonna try this case, Mick. Will you help me? I'm gonna need your help, Mick. Will you help me? Now to the film's use of colour. The story takes place during a bleak Boston winter, and so the light is weak and the colours are mostly washed out, which highlights the colour red. It's there in the credits, the bar stools where Galvin drinks, the couch in his bureau, the carpets of the funeral home, the chairs and curtains in the bishop's office, the judge's chambers, the scarf Laura Fisher is wearing when we first see her, and in the dress Caitlin Costello Price wears when testifying on the witness stand. Naturally woven into the overall visual scheme, there is rarely a moment when red is not present, and reinforcing Galvin's fear that everything is closing in. Really? Red suggests claustrophobia? No, but it is symbolic of hell, because every breathing moment of his day, Galvin is fighting for his soul. In my religion, they say act as if you had faith. Faith will be given to you. If. If we are to have faith in justice, we need only to believe in ourselves. 